Thinking Basketball Podcast. My name is Ben. Welcome back to an episode that is sure to just not rile anyone up, not not elicit any strong emotions or reactions, and certainly, last but not least, not lead to any nasty grams or angry Twitter messages or things like that sent across the digital ecosystem that is the interwebs and social media. Because, Cody... Today, we're not really going to talk about any anything hierarchical or a list or a ranking. In fact, we were looking at rankings of 25 players under 25 this week. There's always a fun one. Um, and, and you can look ahead to the future and think about, like, how are these guys going to be down the road? What's their career going to look like? This player's only 19. This player's 24. Anyway, we started talking about these players. And we decided to just sort out today forget the future it's like hard enough to sort out today how good these players are right now and we said let's try to figure this out that turns into a podcast topic but I I I just I can't I can't do any rankings we spent all summer ranking things I get rankings anxiety there's like a (laughs) there's like a clinical term that needs to end up in the DSM four for what's going on with me ranking things so today we're going to switch it up and we're going to do a draft we're going to draft the 25 best players under 25. We'll tell you our, our criteria in a second. We're going to go back and forth, and we're going to populate the 25 best players that way. Sounds easy enough, right? It's very casual, uh, non-heated episode. You said it's going to elicit some strong feelings. Ben, it's already elicited a lot of strong feelings, I think, from, from both of us. From both of us, we might have the strongest feelings of, uh, of anyone that listens. I have the strongest feelings about my feelings. That That is probably uh, true. Okay, so we're going to get right to it. We, we probably have a lot to cover. Who knows how long this is going to take. But the criteria we're using, hopefully, is pretty simple. Because like I said, we wanted to talk about how good a player is today. So again, the, the spirit here is how good a player is today. And the way we're defining that and thinking about that is not how well they've played in the last five games, how well they've played in 18 games this season. It's not whether they're on a shooting heater or they're in a shooting slump. It's basically, if I had to pick a team and a random type playoff team, a quality team that I don't know about, and I want to put together a draft board of the quote-unquote best players that help me win in those situations on those teams, and that tournament is going to take place, you know, I don't know, right now or in a month or something, that's what we're thinking about and I think we said we want everybody healthy correct yeah 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 yeah. so we're assuming that the players won't fall apart in the tournament um, but that's slightly different than trying to sort out how good a player is right now if he's had health issues for a while there's at least one player I can think of where, where that will come up because it's like we're not really sure if he can get to a certain level because of prior health but as I just said we're assuming you're not going to fall apart in the tournament. So wherever you are, however good you think we think you are, you're going to be healthy. And, and, and that's it. That's all we have to do. Just get 25 guys and get out of here and, you know, everyone will be happy. Yeah, 10 minutes will be away having a cup of coffee together and uh, no one will be remember anything that we said today. No, that's actually a key. At the end, we're going to do the podcast version of the flashy thing device from Men in Black. Cody... Would you like to do the ceremonial honors? Uh, this is the first draft 
we've ever done on this podcast. It may be the last draft. I have no <laughs> idea how this is going to go. Um, before before actually doing a draft, we were trying to ask each other who we had on each other's boards, and we realized maybe the next step beyond a draft is to create a draft board and then play Go Fish and, and just see if you can guess who's on the other person's board. Uh, you're going to do the ceremonial honors and flip the coin to see who goes first, correct? First, I have to ask you a question, Ben. Oh, oh no. This sounds, this sounds serious. Ben. Yeah. What is the most you've ever lost in a coin toss? I'll let you, I'll let you call it. Uh, I will call heads. You're going to have to trust me on this. It's tails. Okay. All right, do Cody. You to, do, do you want me to share my screen? Do you trust me? Do you trust I, my integrity? I, we all trust you. We all okay. trust that it, it came up tails. Okay. Cody has the first pick. Um, you sound disappointed, Ben. You sound dis- Did you think there's a consensus number one? No, I think there's a little pressure on you. I think uh, not only do you have the first pick, but that gives you the 25th pick as well. So you've, you, you've taken on a ton of pressure. We didn't talk about this. Are we doing a snake style? Like, are you going to get two picks and then back and forth that oh, way? Oh, you want to do one and then two and then two? I, I, oh, I that you sounds pick. too complicated. Yeah. That sounds too complicated. Yeah. Let's just go back and forth. As, as long as everyone out there is okay with back and forth. Okay. It's already the number one pick. And I'm you're just stalling. Already. We I'm all vamping. know that that's all that's happening right now is you're stalling to say one of the two names that you could say for the number one pick. Did we? Oh, we also forgot to mention another important part of the criteria, right? Under 25 here means you can't be 25 according to basketball references age, season age at any point in the 2023 season. So you have to be under 25 on February 1st, which means um, Jamal Murray, Brandon Ingram, Bam Adebayo, OG Ananobi, Lowry Marketing, De'Aaron Fox, um, Cody for you, Matisse Thibel, those mm-hmm. players are all, all disqualified. They're not part of the criteria. You have to be under 25 this season on basketball reference, which means you can't turn 25 before february 1st so without further ado who, who are you gonna pick first let's get as the start at the best player right now in the nba under 25 because we're at like uh i think we're starting with like top five ish players right we're at like an yeah. mvp tier right out of the gate definitely we're starting some pretty pretty good players i'm going with luka Doncic with my first pick ben okay uh then i will take jason tatum with this with the second pick i have luka and tatum at the top there, those guys have both had MVP buzz to start the year. I think they're both probably top six or eight players or something right now. They're def- definitely at the top of the league in that range. Uh, so you have Luka at one. I have Tatum at two. We anticipate things starting to get interesting right about now. Well, actually, was there any part of you that if you were to get number one that you would have considered Tatum? Is there any part oh, of yeah, you that yeah, thought yeah. that? I, yeah, I, yeah. Definitely, I definitely considered it because of his defense. Mm -hmm. Uh, obviously spectacular experience in the playoffs I mean Tatum it feels like he's been in the league this is sixth year in the league and what has he played like 197 playoff games and he's been to the Eastern Conference Finals like 11 times I mean he has an incredible pedigree behind him so the fact that he's always playing on a high level team he keeps improving a little bit and he's got that defense and versatility uh, we talked about defensive fit, defensive versatility, different schemes. So, yes, I did consider it, but I still think Luca's offense is so good uh, that I was more comfortable with him. Yeah, that's where I ended up. I was, I was, uh, I was in love. I was beguiled a bit 
by Tatum's ability to fit into a bunch of different team schemes. But at the end of the day, like I took Luka Doncic. You were beguiled. I was yeah. beguiled. Okay. okay once Number again, th- once again, you're stalling because now st- it's now it's going to get really hard. Number three. All right, number three, Ben. Uh, Shea Gilgis Alexander. There, there it is. We knew it was. We knew. We knew it was coming. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think he's expanded a bit. I think defensively, he's improved a good amount. His handle is just. He can get anywhere he wants all the time. He's just so under control. And uh, I wish he was on a better team, Ben. I wish. I wish he was surrounded by better pieces right now. How How do you feel about the fact? I mean, it's noisy, but it's like he's played 700-something minutes. He's sat out for 350 minutes. He's missed two entire full games as part of that sample, uh, which is about 100 of the 350 minutes he's missed. So there aren't lineup tricks or anything like that. How do you feel about the fact that like the Thunder seem to be or are technically as good with him as they are without him right now? Again, there's some noise in there, but it's so weird because he feels like the only... Like it feels like a team with like him and maybe a couple other serviceable NBA players, and yet, even though he's doing so much, he doesn't have uh, really any signal early in the season in in his on-off numbers. Yeah, it's not Titanic, but he's still like a plus four net on-off. Like that's that's still pretty solid. They're still better when he's on the court, obviously. But I don't know. It's the same conversation we had constantly about John Morant last year, where like he missed all these times and the Grizzlies like became the best team in NBA history when he wasn't playing. And you know, no one actually believed that the Grizzlies were better without Morant. So it's just one of those things where like watching enough Thunder games, I'm like, you know, I'm comfortable that there's probably some good amount now amount of noise here. And I don't have a good explanation for why that's happening. 31 points per 75, four percentage points ahead of the league in true shooting, uh, over 60% true shooting this season. We've talked about his strength, how he's cooking from mid-range. So he he's definitely in this conversation. Can I read between the lines and say that we're still in the territory of like a top 12, top 15 player kind of thing in your head? Yeah, I don't think we're flirting with with an MVP level player at this point, but we're probably talking like all NBA level players now. Yeah, if if he plays like 60 something games, he's going to make an all NBA team regardless of almost what happens over the final, you know, two thirds of the season for him. He's already played about 20 games at this level. Uh, I I also thought about Shea here as well. Um, But I get to pick fourth. And so I get to I get to take my guy, the other guy you talked about and that's John Morant yep yeah this was a, yeah. this was a close one between me this was a, a coin flip in my mind but uh um yeah T- tell me why'd you take Morant here um I actually well it was easy because I think it was Shea or, or Morant and you ended up taking Shea but for me I, I think if I had to pick anyway I, I probably would have sided with Morant um one thing one thing about Shea that I do like is you look at his numbers and he's not a great three-point shooter and yet, you look at his uh, other other more detailed tracking numbers on his shooting, and he's like 30, I want to say 32 or 33% off the top of my head on pull-up threes, but his catch-and-shoot threes, or when he's open from downtown, is 40%. Doesn't take that many over the last couple of years, but basically, this is a player who has started to add a diet of pull-up threes based on his role, and he doesn't shoot pull-up threes particularly well, so make of that what you will as a, as a lead guy. But I'm more interested in, well, if we can get him a couple extra open shots, is he a spacer? Is he a shooter? Is he a shooting threat? And at least in a small sample in the last few years, his open three-point shooting numbers have been better. So that that 
push me in the direction a little of Shay. But one one tiebreaker, I guess, in my head, or one thing that that I would put in Jaw's favor is we've seen him get in a postseason environment, and it's like Cody. I don't I don't, I don't know if this is breaking news, but you can't stay in front of him. You can't stop him from touching the paint and continuing to excel the way he excels. And he can do that uh, against seemingly the highest level of competition because of his athletic advantages and tools and his skill. So, yeah, I thought this was close, but I feel more comfortable with the with the sample that we've seen before kind of erring on the side of Morant playing for a higher level team. Whereas Shea, it's like clear Shea is a very, very good player. It's clear he's basically a great player at this point. And his growth is is um, we'll have a video on it, but like his growth is is material in many areas to continue to help him level up past an all star at this point. But I do like to see guys outside of situations of like he's playing for the Oklahoma City Tankers. I mean Thunder, um, and and it's like what's like Jer- Jeremiah Robinson Earl and Lou Dort are the other guys out on the court. Um, I just am a little more comfortable being able to see a, a more diverse sample I got, i'm a huge jeremiah robinson earl fan like that dude that dude goes big jre guy yeah he, he goes but i think my tiebreaker ultimately because i i take your point i see john ja morant as being i think a better offensive player in this kind of a context i still think Jaws pretty much is, is a pretty significant mess defensively and i don't see that being the case with shane i think it would be he'd be able to fit into a lot of different defensive contexts better so that was ultimately my my coin flip choice interesting yeah because i think shay's defense is is not great either so it's like yes if if you put him in an environment where he doesn't have to do as much offensively could his defense be better probably i mean he's a bigger body he's a bigger body but uh i don't know all all these guys we're going to talk about i think in the next few picks all have kind of like defensive warts. So yes. what the heck, what the heck do we do? Cody with the number five pick, who, who's it going to be? All right. So th- this is when things started getting a little dicey for me, Ben, but with number five, uh, I'm going with Zion Williamson. Okay. Okay. This is, this is one of those guys that, you know, consistently through his career, obviously we haven't seen as much of him as we would have liked throughout his time in the NBA. But when he plays, we're talking just an A-plus list finisher. Like a kind of guy that even if you had time to scheme for, he's going to blow up everything. He's a mismatch nightmare. Like you can't have like a switching type of defense without a big body and throw him on Zion because he's just going to eat them up, right? He can suck in lots of defense. He can kick out. I think his passing has improved. Uh, defensively, um, I think because of of the fact that he's, I think he's lost a little bit of weight, a little bit more lith. He's still not great defensively. He's still probably not even that good defensively, but I think he's a little bit more mobile and aware. Still going to be a significant issue in a playoff type setting, but uh, I just like the fact that he's just, God, he's just a monster on offense. Yeah, yeah, he is a monster on offense uh, and and playing very well. 27 points per 75 plus 7% true shooting. I think the passing is a little better. He's only at 70% at the rim, and I say only because I think we can actually get that up higher with his incredible rim volume. Uh, New Orleans has been very good when he's been on the court offensively. The one thing I'll say with Zion that gives me a little pause, I do agree some of the team defense stuff has looked a little better, which is great. 
I think his conditioning can be better. I think he can get in better shape. I think he can trim down a little bit. I don't know if that happens this season, but it's the kind of thing where Zion in March or April, especially if they try to make a little bit of a playoff run because they're looking like a nice, solid, strong team right now, yep. he might be a, a little bit upgraded because of that conditioning compared to where he is today. And because of the rules, I don't, I can't assume that, right? Mm-hmm. Just because that's possible, or maybe, you know, someone calls into the show right now from New Orleans and they're like, they're like, Ben and Cody, listen, we, we've got him on the, on the program. He's going to be in incredible shape in five months. Just give it time. Still can't assume it. Still can't assume it. So that was the only kind of trepidation for me with Zion, but I had him right in this range as well, which is just like, incredibly painful kind of sorting out these players because when you get a bunch of really good young players who are like top 20-ish level players in the league today and their offense is really good, 20 games into a season, a new season, figuring out like splitting those hairs is, is I, I, I don't know. I don't know how you do it. I don't know how you do it. So I'm glad you went first and picked Zion, which gives me the opportunity to... uh well, well, here we go. Let's just put it that I'm I'm putting a warning. Maybe we should should we take a break? Should we take a oh, break goodness. so people can catch their breath? Let's let's take a quick break and uh, let people catch their breath, and then we can come back and everyone can get upset at me. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Okay. Was that a long enough break? Was for me. I- I'm ready to go. Let's do this. Uh, <laughs> number six. So you took Zion at number five. We've got Luca, Tatum, Shea, Morant. Zion again splitting hairs for me because there were two players here that uh, I just went back and forth on um I gotta go with my guy Darius Garland at number six there he is I was wondering when he was gonna slip he's uh he's definitely in this little this uh collection for me but I had him a couple spots down why are you taking Garland over a couple other names here well who are you gonna take seventh I I assume we're gonna have a conversation here who are you gonna take seventh so my seventh pick was going to be Trey Young. Yeah. So it was Trey or or Garland for me. That mm. that was. I have a third name in there. Toss. I have a third name in there. We can get to that in a second. Yep. There 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 are other names to to creep into this area. I think. Um, but for me, it was one of those two guys. I I tr- like last season Garland's breakout season. You expect to get to the playoffs, and you expect it to be a little bumpy. You expect physicality and different defensive coverages and whatnot to disrupt you. This year, he's got another another year under his belt, and I think his floor as a defender is higher than Trey Young's floor as a pl- as a playoff defender. Yes, and then and then I think offensively, well, Trey is sort of a better Helio guy. I love the fact that Darius Garland is better off ball. Um, mo- his movement without the ball is fantastic. Um, and then Cody, this is where it got really fun for me. And this, this is where I think, you know, at least with the data, people might be surprised. I would, oh y- yeah. You want to jump in before are, I are, get really are, saucy? 
are you still talking about Garland here? Because I, I have a couple things I want to say about Garland. I'm talking about Garland versus Trey. Oh, okay. I didn't know yeah. if you were moving on to another pick. Sorry. No, no. This, Keep going. No, Keep your this is the ti- These are the sort of things I'm thinking about in my head. And again, for all intents and purposes right now at this point in the season, you can't go wrong either way here, I think. But the, you know, the spirit of the exercise is you're forced to choose in a draft. Yep. Uh, Darius Garland, last couple years on wide open threes, 40%. Hmm. On catch and shoot threes, 41%. Trey Young on wide open threes is 38%. And Trey Young on catch and shoot threes is also 41% on much lower volume because as we talked about and and um you know recently did sort of a breakdown on like Trey's off-ball game doesn't get him in the same position to shoot these open threes as Garland's off-ball game necessarily. And then you might think like well what about the pull-up threes? Gar- Garland's a 38% volume pull-up three-point shooter as well and Trey in the last three seasons is 35% we know that's because of shot diet he takes longer shots but that's always been my like trade-off with Trey it's like yes he's a fantastic shooter and an amazing offensive player but if he can never generate easier pull-up threes then I have to take it at face value that he's a 35% pull-up three short point shooter because of his size and his release angles and things like that so part one is I feel like Garland is not only better off ball but he's a better shooter and part two and this is Cody, Cody knows what's coming. Part two is like, is Garland is Garland a better passer than Trey Young? Ooh, ooh, ooh. Let's um, say let's say he's not. Mm-hmm. How big of an advantage does Trey Young have as a passer over Darius Garland? <laughs> okay, so here here's my response. I don't think so. I think Trey is pretty comfortably a better passer than Garland right now. And I think the difference between them, while it might seem small comparatively between two other players, the fact that we're getting to this upper echelon, like any distance between each other is so much more pronounced and difficult to get to. Like I was going to say, like we've talked about Trey Young enough. I don't want to rehash a lot of those points, but at worst, I think Trey is like a top five best passer in the NBA right now. And I, I, can't as confidently say that about Darius Garland, but why? Why? Why are you asking this question? Because I think that I think that going back to when we were talking about Trey and Luca, I think Trey has certain specific pick and roll regimented passes that he's better at because um, he's just there aren't many people in the world that are as good at at making those reads as Trey, specifically the floater lob. Uh, but Garland has an amazing floater lob as well, and it's like. The difference between them as passers is probably a lot smaller than people realize. And Garland can make those passes in more dynamic situations, I feel like, because it's almost it's almost like they're similar sized players, but Garland is maybe a little bit just a little bit more comfortable in the paint, in the trees, um, probably because of his off ball game, because he's curling and coming off screens and having to make those kinds of decisions. And I think I don't have it in front of me. We'll have to look it up after the show. I think if you look at his drives that are tracked by Second Spectrum, he has better passing numbers on his drives. Assume you know, which you could make the conclusion that that's him touching the paint and collapsing the defense and things like that. So I, I bring it up because the difference between them as passers is probably a lot smaller than you would think if you don't watch the Cavs regularly. I always kind of thought Garland was a 
really good interior passer, but when it comes to like the slinging the ball around skip pass type things, I think Trey pretty comfortably has an edge on him there. I also think he's maybe burstier than Garland. I think he's quicker off the bounce and he's able to create more advantages that way. Uh, but in, you know, in defense of Garland too, something that really stood out to me is when he's on the court without Mitchell, he's scoring like 31 points per 75 on 63% true shooting. Like this is a guy that's able to shift up his role and just take over and do that sort of not helio thing, but he's able to be a lead guard and score at that sort of level. But again, you asked about Shea earlier. So I'm going to ask you now, what do you make about his net on off being like negative six at this point? So I think the whole Cavs team has this. And Except for one player who we will be talking about later. Kevin Love. You wait then. You wait. <laughs> Kevin Love is gonna be in the Kevin Love is gonna be in the under twenty five. There, there's like a weird thing going on with the Cavs bench and the Cavs starters. Because if you look at Mitchell, Darius Garland, Evan Mobley, Isaac Okoro, they all have negative on offs despite still outscoring the opponents when they're on the court. So it's almost like some of the Cavs bench units have just smashed people in certain situations. And the other thing about that that you can tell is wonky or to me is noise. If you're wondering, because I do watch a lot of Cavs, but if you're wondering, why do you trust certain numbers in small samples and distrust certain numbers in small samples? One, you always have to keep in mind that it's a small sample. So even if the number reinforces what you're seeing, you have to realize that it might change because there's noise. It might fluctuate up or down naturally based on how small the sample is and how much variability is in that number. In this case, we're talking about plus minus. So in 10 games, these numbers could almost be you know, completely flipped. Uh, maybe 20 games would flip them pretty easily. But then there's the case like this where you're watching the Cavs and you're going, huh, the starters look really good what's going on that many of them have these negative on-offs? And I would I would point out that, like, Karis Levert looks like, in the all-in-one numbers, one of the best defensive players in the entire world. And so what you can do is you can either, you can, you can say, okay, Karis Levert is secretly carrying the Cleveland Cavaliers, you know, high-level defense right now that's putting them at the top of the league. Or maybe there was just some noisy, quirky exchange stuff going on with some of the lineups, and he's a bench slash starter, depending on who's playing. And all these numbers think that Karis LeVert is a great defender at, at the expense of some of the starters like Evan Mobley and Jared Allen and guys like that. So to me, that's a situation where I'm going to continue to to trust the film and look closer at lineup data and be like, ah, this probably is not something that's sustainable over the course of the year. I don't think we're going to get to the playoffs and be talking about how the Cavs starters aren't really that good and and their bench has put them, you know, at the top of the Eastern Conference. I think you forgot door number three in this case. And it's the possibility that Chetty Osman is like the GOAT bench player. <laughs> Chetty Os- yes, Chetty Osman is door number three for Cody. Um, we haven't, you haven't been able to wax poetic about Chetty for a while. So it was good, That's another it was good that you get that in there. We have too many yeah. people to talk about today. We're going to have to save Chetty love for later. How old is Chetty? Is he too old to qualify? Yeah. He's like 28 or 27 okay. or something. We dodged a bullet because you would have probably picked him <laughs> by now. Whose pick is it? It's your pick. And I think we're, I think this is, well, I'm going to see who you pick, but I kind of think this is the end of a, uh, of a, of another tier. I think it starts getting much messier after this next pick of yours. 
I'm going to throw a curveball at you. Okay, maybe, maybe. I'm going to throw a giant curveball at you. All right, let's dance. Um, no, I'm not. I'm not. It's all this Cleveland talk. All this Cleveland talk. Nope, not yet. Made then. me made me want to throw a curveball at you, but I think I have to go with the more traditional answer here, and I think you know what it is, Cody, from the Indiana Pacers. Yeah. Tyrese Halliburton is going to be my number eight pick. Yeah, absolutely. I think I actually think the the gap between Trey Halliburton and Garland are, are really close together. I kind of had them in a bunch here. Um, yeah, I can see that. I can see that. I still don't know quite where to land on Halliburton, other than he's an All Star level player. Haven't haven't quite sorted it out beyond that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I don't really know what this means, but I'm going to throw it out there. See if you agree with me. He is the most left-handed vibes player of any right-handed player I've ever seen. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Every time I watch him, I'm like, wait, he's shooting so well with his right hand. Like, oh, yeah, he's not left-handed. He, he just seems like a left-handed player. Okay. It's still... I, I'm, I'm still not ready to, like, you know, lock Tyrese Halliburton in the healthy Zion Williamson tier category yet. So it's still pretty fluid to me. So I'm kind of interested... Since you did feel like there's a tear break, you have the number nine pick. Mm-hmm. Who who would you who would you take here? Who are you going to take here? What am I saying? You're on the clock. This is this is where I'm going to start getting a little nervous, Ben. This is where I have to shoot my shot. I have to speak my truth. I don't know if people are going to be voting on who. But by the way, we're not building teams. We're building like draft classes, so to right. speak. It's a draft board. It's yeah, a draft board. and I don't yeah. know if people are going to vote on it. I'm not going to speak to the people. I'm going to speak to my heart. I'm going to speak to my soul, Ben. For number nine, I'm taking Desmond Bain. Wow. Yeah. Taking Desmond Bain. Yeah, I had him 10th on my board. Okay. Oh, hey! This is amazing! <laughs> he is... Ben, he's so good, and he plays so well next to other high-end teams. His, his length, I think, keeps him back from being a much better defender than he is, but... For his his physical build, he's a tremendous tremendous. He's a good defensive player based on kind of his physical characteristics there. Just, you know, we talked about him last year as being one of the best shooters in the NBA. Uh he's expanded his driving game. Uh his passing ability holds him back from being like at the level of someone like Halliburton, Garland, people like that. Like he's not going to be creating a ton of shots for people, but as a scorer, as a team defender, um this is a guy that I'm ready to insert into a playoff team and have success. But he's added on-ball capability and passing yes. game uh, within the kind of standard role he plays. So a little bit more on-ball pick and roll, but also with all the dribble handoff action that's popular around the league and the way the the Grizzlies blend that into certain sets with their big men, two-man games, Steven Adams at the top, handoff, cutback door. That's all blended in with the way Bain played last season. And so this season, you actually have a guy who's a little bit better as a passer, a little bit better as a creator. He can take on more primacy within the offense. He's up to 27 points per 75 this season on plus 4% true shooting. I'm just looking at our new board here on thinkingbasketball.net for subscribers over at patreon.com slash thinkingbasketball. And Cody, I mean, 45% from three right now. For Bain, he's in the 80th percentile or higher in basically every one number metric you can shake a stick at. I, I think he's right in this. I don't know if we're at the all-star, sub-all-star kind of range or whatever, but like the, these are these are still really good players. I had him right here. The other guy I I had ahead of him, which I get to take with the number 10 pick, yep. um, is Jared Allen. 
That's that's who I was alluding to earlier. No way. With the Cavs. Yeah. Oh, I thought I was gonna. Sn- oh, Ben, this is the worst moment of my life. <laughs> oh, you I thought, thought I was gonna get. I thought I was so you much higher. You were on gonna him. get Jared Allen later on. Oh, I thought I was gonna get him in like my next pick. Well, I mean, Jared Allen is like oh, to me no. uh, kind of a low end all star. You know, top thirty kind of nba player i mean what 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 do you what do you want to do how, how can you let him go lower i'm so I, I thought you know last year i actually had a hard time differentiating between the level that garland and allen were playing at especially in the regular season like he is so important to what they do with their their defense he's a tremendous rim finisher a great roller uh not going to be creating a lot of shots not going to space the floor but like Oh my goodness, this dude, here, here's a fun thing. We're talking about the Cavaliers and their fun numbers. When he's on the court without Mobley, they have a 92 defensive rating. Yeah. A 92 defensive rating. Yeah, he's fantastic. He's one of yeah. the best He's one of the best rim protectors in classical drop. Big men in the league, doesn't take anything off the table on offense. Good offensive rebounder, rim, rim gravity and roll man to play with them. And I, I love the fact, we've talked about it before at the start of the year, they get to have Allen as a rim runner, Mobley as whatever the heck he is, and then Kevin Love as a popper and spacer. So you have this sort of balance with the way they use the big men, and they often play two of the big men, two of those three big men at the same time. I just think when you're this good defensively, and I imagine the way he moves, and I imagine the scheme he has, much like Brooke Lopez, uh, much like a number of other defenders, I imagine that's going to translate Rob Williams last year. It's going to translate in the right environment in the postseason. So, yeah, J- Jared Allen, I have a hard time naming like 30 players in the NBA I'd rather have on a, on a playoff team than Jared Allen. Yeah, 100%. I mean, like, when you're thinking of high-level teams, like Brooke Lopez is another just high-level defender that obviously stretches out to three. But if you were on the Bucks, like, we're talking, man – Sorry, I'm I'm just I'm just thinking about putting my favorite players on the Bucks now. We should probably move on. Okay, quickly. so it's your pick with the number <laughs> with the number eleven pick, and I will say for me, mm-hmm. this is where it starts to get. We haven't gotten to the torture yet, but no. now it's starting to get harder. Now it's start now now we're in the rack, and Christopher Guest has come down, and he said turn he said turn the water levels up just a little bit. That's it's a like- that's a Princess Bride reference for anyone who needs to see the Princess Bride. Uh, for my next pick, I'm taking Tyrese Maxey here. Wow. Oh, yeah. Wow. From oh, the Philadelphia 76ers? From the 76ers. From your reaction, you think that's early? That is early for me, yeah. Okay. Yeah, that is early for me. Talk us through uh, why you're taking Maxi over any of the other. I mean, there's some guards that he's always compared to that I think we'll get into in a second, but why Maxi over some of those other guys? I like that he's able to... Sort of like a Garland light. He's able to blend in the fact of being like a strong off-ball guard. We talked about some of those actions in the past with him where they they swing the ball on one side of the court. They're able to swing it over to him and he can just attack a scattered defense, right? Great line drive speed. I thought his his on-ball creation has really developed this year, especially in the wake of, you know, James Harden missing a lot of time. I think he's done a great job of stepping in and facilitating some of that role. Obviously, I think, again, kind of like Bain, the passing leaves a little bit more for me to be desired, but as an off-ball shooter, as a guy that can attack space, um, I just think he'd be really valuable in a high-level offense. I think it's because we just did this thing on attacking off ball and and changing sides and it's fresh in your head that's what i that's what i feel like is going on okay um it, it's i'm i'm interested to see 
what you do with some of the other guards of this age and this ilk. So, okay, Maxi earlier than I thought. Maxi at number 11. Are, you, are we sure this isn't just a tactic, a ploy for you to get the city of Philadelphia off your back <laughs> onto my back? Is that, is that what's happening here? I think the fact that I took Bane over Maxi is enough to turn all of the state of uh, Pennsylvania against me. Okay, okay. Um, that, that gives me number 12. All right, I feel I feel like comfortable about this, but in a way that's safe versus, you know, I'm really confident this is the way to go. I feel this feels safer. Mm-hmm. This feels safer, okay? I I think with number 12, I I'm going to go with DeAndre Ayton. De- oh, wow. Oh, this is whoo. That's uh it's a lot earlier than me, Ben. Okay, wow. All right, so we have kind of an inflection point here. You have a guard. I have a big man. I just just think with Aiton, you're still, like, what's the worst case? You have a strong sub-all-star big man who, um, you know, has some touch in the mid-range, short roll, rim running, pick and roll partner for guys, strong defender. Like, it's, uh, I don't know, what's what's the case against? So he's... I've said for the last couple of years now, I think he's maybe, maybe Jokic has taken that at this point, but he's like the best 10 foot play finisher in the NBA, like within 10 feet. Like within 10 feet. Yeah, Yeah. within 10 feet. His touch is just immaculate and he can finish in a lot of different ways, but you know, he doesn't get himself to the free throw line too much. I would love to see him bump up his efficiency there. He's not stretching the floor a lot. His passing really doesn't seem to be as developed as a lot of other big men and defensively, like, yeah, I think he can... He can bang against some some bigger bodies. He can switch out of the perimeter. I don't love his rim protection abilities. And Interesting. Okay. I, I think I think he works very well against high end offensive players like Booker and Chris Paul, and then obviously Cam Johnson, Mikhail. I think he's in a really perfect situation for what his skill set is. That is a very interesting argument. So it it feels like it feels like we're diverging in two areas, and I think the defense is the bigger one because. I think he's actually a pretty solid kind of drop defender who has some ranginess, and that allows like Phoenix's scheme. At least last year, I, I don't know if they've updated it or changed it. I haven't gone deep diving the Suns. When you're the Suns and you're like a regular season machine, I apologize. I don't get I don't get to start getting into you. You're like a given. I know you're going to be at the top of the standings, so I can't get into the Suns at the beginning of the year. I'm still getting my Orlando Magic fix and all that stuff. So. They switch around him and just let him basically play a more traditional role. And I think he, I think he's always done a very solid job of that. And then offensively, he's always been efficient because of that touch, because of that decision-making. I don't need him to be a great passer, I think. I don't know. I've thought about Aiton consistently as like a top 40 player in the league. And I don't really see anything to move off of that. The issue is, are other guys, like to me, is Tyrese Maxey like a top 40 or top 35 player in the league? No, that's why I have him lower. But even the other guys around him, um, I basically, I think he's doing enough to, to kind of carry that kind of value onto other teams. Whereas you're saying he's in a perfect environment. So if you put him somewhere else, it wouldn't look quite as good. I, I don't know. I, I get the argument. That's an interesting argument. I, I, I think I have a hard time with it. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When we're talking about, we were talking about Bane earlier, we were talking about Garland and the fact that you can kind of shift up your role. I don't know if Aiton really has that ability. Like, I think if you, I haven't looked at the numbers. I looked at them last year, I remember. And when you have, say, Booker and Paul off the court, it's not like he explodes, where it's like he's the kind of guy that you throw it in the post and he can do a lot of stuff. I just think he's a very dependent offensive player, That's which is a, which is a fine thing. Like, we spent all of this summer just extolling the greatness of players that are just tremendous at play finishing, but I just think that's elevated when you're next to a bunch of play creators. Okay, so is also part of what's happening here you leaning into the death of the the big man? Um, And really, to be specific, like traditional big men. Big men that can't handle, can't pass, can't shoot and aren't rangy defenders. And that's not to say, that's not to make it dichotomous and say like Aiton falls on one side of every one of those categories in a horrible way. Because I do think he's a little bit pretty, you know, he's pretty mobile for a, for a type of defender that he is as a more traditional center. And like you said, he is phenomenal inside 10 feet, even, even like closer to 15 foot range. He's got a nice little jumper and things like that. But he's not, He's not playing in a way that is similar to, say, uh, Demonis Simonis or something like that. It's it's a different style. So I guess looking at this board and looking at the trends of your picks, is that is that also part of what what's happening? Am I reading too much into it? I feel like I feel like you're because you were surprised with Jared Allen as well. Yeah, I mean, I was surprised with Jared Allen because I thought maybe. I was on that more. I guess if you're going to be like a big man that's not necessarily a strong passer or floor spacer, then you should be like an elite level rim protector. And I know Aiton is an elite rim roller, but the rim protection isn't anywhere near Jared Allen. And I also feel like the Suns have seen success in short spurts, at least, when Aiton's been out and you've brought in some of these other, these big men to go, like the Bismack Biombo minutes last year for a period of time. It's like, oh, can Chris Paul and Devin Booker make any big man fantastic? Yeah, that's a good point. The bit the Bismack Biombo minutes. Um, I don't know if that is the same in the postseason mm-hmm. necessarily, but I think that's a really actually that's a really compelling argument. Why why do we do this? Why are we doing this to ourselves? <laughs> this is this is horrible. Um it's gonna get even worse. I said this is the this is the painful part. We haven't got to the torture. But I mean just just based on the things you're saying, you can see I, I get I let me throw something back at you before we move on, because I okay. did not anticipate I did not anticipate this. Do you not think Aiton is a top fifty player in the league? Wow. That's a really tough question. Like I can't even think about what the map of the top fifty players would, would look well, like. Well, I just mean quality, not like actually listing out players. I mean, like when you think about him, do you do you think of him as a guy? who maybe shouldn't be paid as much, or if you if he hits free agency, you're like, yeah, whatever. So I think there's a couple other... I don't know if this is a fair way to respond to this, but it's the way I'm thinking about it right now. I think there's a couple other big men still on the board. I'm going to take one in just a second. There's a couple of other big men that if you swapped them, right, Aiton and this guy, I think the Suns would get better 
and the other team would get worse. And I think there's a couple of guys that are pretty similar in that way. Yeah, yeah, I've never liked that one because it only focuses on the one. I know. The one circumstance. All right, we, we've stalled enough. 13th pick, who are you going to take? All right, this is the, like, in, in that same vein, I don't like it, but if we switched it, I think the Suns would be better. Um, I'm jumping on the Evan Mobley train right now. Why are you doing this to me? I'm taking Evan Mobley. Why did you do this? It, this is ridiculous. We're talking like evolutionary big men, flexible, can go all over the place. Play, he plays the four next to Jared Allen and still might even have better rim protection numbers this year. For the record, Jared Allen's a better rim protector than Evan Mobley. But still, as a second-year player, this is an extremely developed defensive guy. Uh, the scoring numbers leave more to be desired. Like, he's not Aiton in that sense. But he's a much better passer, much more flexible defensive player. And I think he could fit pretty much onto any like any team build that you have going into the playoffs. Yeah, I thought I was going to be the one to take him. I, I really did. It was either it was either Mobley or Aiton for me. Yeah. So, yeah. Wow. Um, all right. This is uh, we already addressed the fact that I, I think his on-off numbers are are mm-hmm. obfuscating how good he's been, and he's a he's a guy that I think is kind of so gifted defensively that even even if we said our theoretical tournament starts tomorrow and runs for two months I think Evan Mobley would be better at the end of the tournament than he is today I Mm. think he he learns that quickly um and I I think he's I think right now based on like his stats I feel like he's a candidate for the most underrated player in the entire league for me for me because I think of him at this level I think of him as like a top 40, top 30 player. Um, you know, in a month or two, I might have to start the Evan Mobley all-star game bandwagon brigade. And I just feel like he's got all these numbers and people are like, oh, Evan Mobley's not good. And it's like, when I watch the game, I feel the exact opposite. So, yeah. Um, in that vein, switchy, dynamic, rangy, versatile, big men. Um, should I do it? I have no idea who you're talking about. That's because he hasn't played basketball this year. I don't know what the heck to do with him. Cody's completely stumped. I have no clue who you're talking about. I think, I think for me, I think going into a tournament right now, this is, this is brutal. I think going into a tournament right now, I'd have to take Jaron Jackson. Oh my God. Jaron Jackson. Did you forget about his existence because of the injury? Oh, oh, oh. See, I have him and one other player highlighted in red way off to the side because I didn't know what to do with them. Mm, yes, okay. well, Th- that's a good pick. That's yes. that's an excellent pick. Given given the fact that he hasn't played, I understand the trepidation. But again, yeah. I just I feel like we're in a tier and a quality of player now where what we saw from Jaron Jackson last season, um, it's that dicey thing where it's like I, you kind of have to make the assumption that he won't be a complete mess compared to what where he was last year. But once you get over that hurdle, just defensively, um, I, I think he's shown enough as a, as a kind of modern league defender to be really, really valuable. And frankly, this is where we're getting very close to the torture chamber because after a couple of these players, it's like, I don't know what to do. I have no idea what to do. Jaron Jackson, 36% looking at our board here. Um, uh, that we that we share with our subscribers, thirty six percent on wide open threes over the last few seasons. So not great, but you know good enough to space the floor and um, add to that defensive punch. But Cody, where do you go next? Man, where do you go again, at number fifteen? 
with uh, with Jaron though, um, he has played this season, hasn't he? He's played a couple. He games. played. He he's played a couple games. Yeah. Yeah. He's played yeah. a couple of games. But yeah, I you know defensive player of the year level player like he was in the conversation last year. I don't yep. know how close he was to getting it, but he was at least in the conversation. So I I love that pick. I just had him way off to the side here. Okay. So for this pick. <laughs> Oh, we're, I'm so excited about this pick, Ben. I'm so excited. By excited, I, do you mean incredibly nervous? No, I'm actually stamping <laughs> this one down. There's a couple of them. There, there's one other guy I'm, I'm carrying my flag up for, but this is, this is my first one here. A guy that I think the, like, 3-4 spot, like the guy that can flexibly play 3-4, uh, can space the floor, can run some pick and rolls, be an on-ball creator, can cut. Not a great defender, but he's big enough to, to defend. I think those kinds of players are both rare and very valuable. Um, wait, 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 wait. A, th- a flexible 3-4? Yeah. Who's a very good defender? No, no, not not particularly good. I would like him not to be better on defense. Okay. I would like for him to be better on defense, but he's flexible. Like, he's big and can do stuff. Flexible yeah. on defense. Is he a very good shooter? He's... I'm, I'm just going to say this guy's name, Ben. I have no idea who you're talking about. This is just wild. I'm going with Franz Wagner. What number are we? I have no idea, but I'm taking him right now. I mean, again, like I said, I think where I'm coming from here, like the the sort of three spot or four spot that can do the sorts of things that he does. Like, do you see this man's size when he drives? Do you see some of the passes he makes, his ability to cut, his athleticism at his height? Like, that is extremely rare to have. And I think if he wasn't necessarily, like, the primary or surrounded by a bunch of other young guys that are just figuring it out, oh, my God, I would absolutely love to have him. Wow. Mm-hmm. Wow! Yeah, he's 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 not on my uh, draft board at all. No, Ben. No. no. What no. are you talking about? He's still he's he he's still in an experimentation phase as a point guard. He's still ironing these sorts of things out. It's I feel more like you're drafting an actualized Franz Wagner versus where he is today. Like this is where this is the level of player he would be. If the things, the flashes you're talking about were consistent. So um, get in the lane, little one leg Dirk fade off the spin, pick and roll action, skip to the corner, shoot threes well. Not not a very good defender, but it, to your point, at least a big body. But like right now he's th- shooting 32% from downtown um, this season. In his NBA career, if you if you look at the last few years, you look at multi-season data, he's at least at 38% on catch and shoots and things like that. So he's it's like the signs are there, but same thing with the passing. Great passing chops. Um, that big body can obviously get into the paint and shoot over people, but he's still, as of right now, like an average efficiency scorer, still struggles with reads and turns it over. It's just... I think the actualized Franz Wagner is in this conversation. I just don't think we've seen the actualized Franz Wagner yet. So this is almost the opposite of the Aiton argument I was making before. That if we saw Wagner in the sort of situation that's perfect for him, that's perfect for Aiton, like not saying the exact Suns things, I think Wagner would be so much better. Like I think right now, if he didn't have to do as much as he's doing right now, we would be thinking more of him. Because I think, again, I'm thinking of like connective tissue passing, the ability to fit into some different defensive schemes. They can switch a lot with their like huge bodied lineups that we've talked about. Um, And yeah, I just think if he was like a second or even like a third option right now, we would be like, oh my God, this guy is, is unreal. But to some degree he is, because sometimes they let 
Paolo Bancaro run the offense. Sometimes they have a point guard in on the offense. But I mean, like um, a, a third option between behind, like, let's say a Devin Booker and Chris Paul type of creators in front of him. Uh, so, so he would be like, uh, playing Cam Johnson's role, but with better passing or something. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. But he's not a good enough shooter. I don't think to you. I mean, he's not as good of a shooter as Cam Johnson. Like, Cam Johnson's an absolute knockdown shooter. But I'm, I'm not even saying the Suns. I'm saying in that kind of role, because I'm trying to think of, like, every possible situation. And I think there's more possible situations where Wagner is going to be fitting into a team concept where I think that he would be more successful than, like, the, the first option sorts of concepts. Man, I, I thought I loved Franz Wagner. This is, this is, uh, this, this is a lot. This is okay. a lot to take in. Yeah. This is um, what do you, did you have any venison for breakfast? <laughs> uh. <laughs> okay, so now I don't I, I'm 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 thrown for a loop because I thought there were going to be a number of other guards mm. we were going to discuss in this spot. Now you've now you've put me in a really really try. The torture's already started. Mm-hmm. I've decided that if you're picking Franz Wagner fifteenth, who I will categorically. I will categorically say would not be in my top 100 NBA players right now. Like I, I wouldn't even, I'm not even sure if it's close. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. So number 16 is man. I, 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 I'm looking at guards. I'm looking at guards. I thought we were still going to be talking about similar <laughs> aged guards um, somehow Tyrese Maxey is sitting up here at 11th. This feels so strange to now talk about these guys. I think with the number 16 pick, I am going to go with Anthony Simons. Taking Anthony Okay. Tell me about Simons. Well, he's, he's a fantastic shooter. Uh, let's, let's start right there. Um, Anthony Simons, multi-year shooting data. Cody, would you like to guess what his wide-open three-point shooting percentage is? I remember talking about this last year. And it was yeah, just yeah, off the he, charts. He, yeah. He came up on our best shooters in the league last year. Is he like 40, 42 or something like yeah, that? Yeah, he's 46%, 46. on wide-open threes. Uh, 46% on awesome. wide-open threes. And right now, if you look at Simon's 25 points per 75 plus 1%. So he's got a game that has some self-generated ability uh, to, to kind of charge up and get his scoring going. He can score off ball a little bit. Very good, like phenomenal wide open shooter. Enough with the handle and the passing to do some stuff. So he's kind of in this range of guard for me these days that Leave something to be to be desired defensively, but I think his offensive skills are strong enough that when you get in a playoff setting, like someone like Jordan Poole, you get in a playoff setting, you can be a sixth man, you can be, um, you know, the third or fourth guy on offense. You you're not going to play 38 minutes a game because your defense isn't good enough, but the 28 to 34 minutes a game you play, especially depending on the opponent, can carry offensive value. And I think Simon's is probably good enough right now to kind of be in that range. I think that's the range we're in as a player. I think that's where we are as a player. So the fact that I can't immediately grab like other top 50 players off the board anymore because of our age, you know, we're, this is the top 25 under 25 or we're, we're running out of good, really, really good young players. 
that's that's where my head is at. That's the direction I go in. Plus, plus you took Evan Mobley from me. I can't pick him anymore. Yeah, Simons is a tremendous shooter, but I think I think at this point in these sorts of drafts, you get into more of like a philosophical thing, like the sorts of things that you are finding more important in the way that you're you're thinking about it. And I'm thinking about guys right now that can fit into lots of defenses. I mean, lots of different kinds of team concepts. And when you get to these, maybe like because I think I might have some of these guards lower than you do based on what you were just saying. When you get to some of these these guards that aren't necessarily high, high-level offensive players, say like Darius Garland, Trey Young, things like that, I think they become a little bit more concerning when you have to cover for them a lot more on defense. And I think Simon's defense is a little bit too problematic for me at this point. Okay, so so, but you think Maxie's like on a different level as a defender then, than these guys? I think Maxi has a more expanded offensive game as well. Oh, wow. Wow. Yeah. Okay. I do. Okay. All right. Who's your next pick? Because I, I, I falsely assumed that there would be some similarly aged guards with defensive shortcomings that would all be put together. But we got Maxi up at 11, and this is your pick at number 17. Where are you, where are you taking us? Yeah, based on some of these conversations, I think we're going to be missing each other. I think we're going to be missing each other. And actually, are you, gonna, I th- are you going I, back to a big man? What's no, going on? I, I, made, I made a mistake. There's someone I should have taken before Franz Wagner. This is a guy, this is like, I am planting the biggest flag I possibly can on the highest mountain, Ben. I'm taking Devin Vassell right now. What, what is happening? What is going on? What do you mean what is happening? Okay, ha- talk us through this. Talk De- us through this. So, first of all, like, I know we don't want to be talking about super hot stretches, but he's seventh in catch and shoot three-point op- uh, three attempts per game this season. Out of the top 50 players, I just said 50 because I stopped counting, right? Out of the top 50 players in catch and shoot three-point attempts per game, he's first in three-point percentage. He's shooting 48% on catch and shoot three-point attempts. I know... His pull-up three-point shooting numbers leave a lot to be desired. I think it's somewhere in the low 20s. But I think of a lot of these guards we're talking about, he's by far the best defender, right? He is a a solid defensive player. He can slot up and play the three spot a good amount. He can play the two spot. Uh, like I said, rangy defensive player. can I've seen him make some really flexible blocks at the rim. And I think his, his pick-and-roll development this season is really stark. And I think when we're talking about def- uh, most improved types of players, he's really high on that list for me because of all of these different things that he's done. And he's just on a really bad team right now, Ben. Yeah, I don't trust those shooting numbers at all. Are, are you – well, I shouldn't say at all because it's, mm-hmm. it's hard to figure this out when young players are improving. Like, do you th- – do you think that he has like made a massive Brandon Ingram kind of level up as a shooter? Because if you look at the the multi year numbers from you know before this season, for instance, wide open threes, he's thirty four percent. So this is not someone who is an assassin, but you have to assume, given his age, that he can improve the shooting. So is it like a little bit of an improvement, or do you think now when? Like part of this assessment is, oh, Devin Vassell is a materially better player that that now jumps into this much higher group of player because he is such a good shooter. Yeah, I mean, I don't think he's going to be 48%, but I think he's materially better than 34%. Boy, this is, this is, so, okay, um, let's talk about Jordan Poole. Because hmm. I thought I thought he would come up with with Tyrese Maxey. That's, those are the players, the the comparison that is often made between these kind of players um, or those those players and a few of the others we mentioned Bain has improved but you, you see that name batted around a lot compare compare sort of 
Jordan Poole to Devin Vassell on a playoff team. What's what's the difference for you there? Well, I mean, defensively, I think it's just completely night and day. I think Devin Vassell is is a plus defender, and Jordan Poole is very clearly a negative defender, and somebody you don't have to cover for, and in fact, actually opens the door to unlock a bunch of different defensive schemes you could run because of him. Okay, I literally have no other um, plus defenders on my board other <laughs> than the players on my board only because of their defense. Okay. And so then we reach this we reach this part of the conversation of like, would I rather have one way players on offense or one way players on defense? Um, I don't really have any bigs anymore. Well, one guy's kind of a kind of a big. He can play probably guard any position he wants. But um, despite the start of the year, I think I will stick. In this range of players, I think I'll stick with Jordan Poole then. Okay. Why, why do you value that sort of like one-sided offensiveness in the Jordan Poole realm than, uh, than what I was just saying? Well, because again, I think when you get this to this level of player, the players I'm comparing them to, being able to be a six-man that can be hybrid, meaning off-ball and on-ball. Poole's actually not a great three-point shooter. He's only kind of an okay three-point shooter. But I think he's a fantastic passer, mm-hmm. and he's slippery as all hell, and his, his handle. And again, it goes back to that John Morant idea just at a lower level. Like when you get into the postseason and you can continue to exert your value against most opponents, I think there was some overreaction last year with, with him struggling to stay on the court because of his defense. It's like, again, I don't expect that level of player to be able to stay on the court 40 minutes a game against the Celtics and in the in the conference finals because if that's the case if it's like if Jordan Poole were a positive defender then he would start and just be materially better but you know we're we've named plenty of players in front of him so it's hard to know he's still young you know is he going to is he going to tail off is he going to continue to improve this year he hasn't had a very good start to the season but when i look at the rest of the board i think i'll i think i'll stick with him there are players who have played better for the last month and change. There's no doubt. But going forward, I think I'll still have pool ahead of some of the other guys. But like I said, this is the torturous part of the list, knowing what direction to go in once you kind of get outside the, a, a top 50 quality player. I, I hear, I heard a reference to a player that's going to be coming up really soon, and I'm interested to know when we're going to pick him. I made a reference? You did. You did. Some The flexible big man that can kind of play any position. I'm, I'm wondering when he'll go. <laughs> Um, but I'm also actually really interested. I don't think you know who I'm talking about, but um, let's let's keep going. Maybe I don't. We'll see. Um, there's there's actually a player I'm surprised you didn't take there because I'm I think there's going to be an interesting conversation about off ball finishing. You stop it. You okay. stop it. Okay. Yeah. Who I'm are you going to pick? I'm trying to decide if I want him right now. <laughs> I'm trying to decide, but I'm actually going to go with my actual board because I'm going to trust my thinking before this. I'm going to take Anthony Edwards here. Wow. Yeah. Wow. All right. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you the floor. Make the case. Okay. So Anthony Edwards has, he's been a mess defensively this year. Like, <laughs> okay, oh, so where? Make, the, make the case. Well, defense, <laughs> just don't worry about defense. He's been a mess, but he shows those moments where when he's locked in, he can be a pretty strong defensive player. Like a guy that's strong, can switch around, can make some pretty spectacular plays because of his athleticism. And when he's dialed in, I think he's a pretty scary scorer. Like, I know Jordan Poole obviously is as well, but Anthony Edwards is the type of, like, line drive, first step type of driver that, again, you just can't stay in front of. 
And I think we've actually seen a little bit. It's interesting. He stepped up a little bit, I think, since Towns went out. Uh, at least you know, when I was watching, I'm like, I'm liking what I'm seeing here. And I thought in the playoffs, like, you know, th- he was interesting last year. And, you know, it's it, he's not perfect. But at this point, we're dealing with a lot of these guys with a, a good chunk of imperfections. Yeah, I had him a few spots later. I was wondering, I was wondering if he was going to get picked in this area, largely because of the defensive shortcomings, but also there's the issue with the shot selection. But then to your point, like, you know, he, he does have uh, advantages that he can create with his physical tools. And I think he did a pretty good job in the postseason last year. I have no reason to think that he can't sustain that level. My trepidation, my, my, my hesitancy with him is that maybe he actually, uh, has shown that I, I don't know maybe he maybe I said a second ago he could there's no reason to think he can't sustain that level but maybe there is like I, I just I'm not confident yet with where he is as a player but um totally fair to me because I think I think we're just in situations where the guys the, the quality of the player they're going to be flawed one way or another and I'm realizing when you when you kind of get to this level and you split hairs and you talk about it and you have to do something as silly as ranking, it opens up a lot of probably reactions from people listening because it's a lot easier to segment and compartmentalize the skills of the fifth best player and the 15th best player and to make a clear distinction versus like how the heck do you handle, you know, Devin Vassell's defense versus... Anthony Edwards defense or something like that. All right. Do I have to pick a number 20? Yes. Okay. I'm just going to keep the train going. I don't know what's happening. I, I genuinely just cannot figure out what's happening. I'm taking LaMelo ball. Oh, LaMelo ball. I tell me, tell me, tell me guy that's played three games this season, right? Three yeah. But I, I think, I think he'll, he'll be fine. I don't, yeah. I don't, um, I mean, it's not Lonzo. I don't, I don't have any reason to believe that he's physically, you know, stuck with an injury right now or something like that. Phenomenal passer, great pace, pace pusher, uses his size, can get downhill. Um, you know, I, I actually think in a, in a better environment, he could be an okay defender. He's uh, long-term looking like a pretty good shooter. Uh, actually, actually he's been way above average as a shooter in the long term, 40% on his wide open threes over the last few seasons. So, yeah, I think LaMelo Ball is just one of those guys that offensively has the capability of making all those little extra st- uh, connective tissue, winning basketball plays, brilliant plays. Um, I think if anything, you could argue him higher. You know, you have Maxi at 11. It feels weird because these are the guys I thought. I thought we were going to have sort of the philosophical conversation about this group of guards, but um, it sounds like you're, you've picked Edwards, but it sounds like you're more hesitant than I am about the one-way small offensive guards who are who are defensively questionable. That's exactly it. I think like you have to be a Trey level offensive player or even like a Garland level offensive player to make me feel more comfortable about it. And I think Lamelo. To be fair, in this case, Lamelo isn't my section of like guys I really like, but I'm gonna let Ben pick 
because I don't know what to do with him with him being out. So I, I, I like LaMelo plenty, and I thought last year he was spectacular. If he has warts, again, it's the defensive awareness thing. He has the same shot selection sort of stuff. He can fall in love with the dancing, pull up 28-footer a little too much. Passing, though, just a spectacular passer, spectacular passer. So I like all of those things, but uh, I, I just want to see him play more this season. That that's where I am with him. Okay, all right. Let's let's bring this home. How are we rounding this out? We have five players left. Okay. Um, wh- who are you going to take? I now I now I wouldn't be surprised if you if you told me that you know Jose Alvarado was your next pick <laughs> or something. Who who's it going to be? Well, now that you've said it, uh, but I mean, here's the thing. I think philosophically, again, once you get to this level, if, if we're putting players on random teams, I actually think like primary creators that aren't really high level primary creators aren't going to be as effective as we would like, right? It's like what we talked about in the the top 40 series during the summer, okay? Like, we can't just be like, all right, we're going to be put them on random 20 win teams and see what happens. No, we're also going to be putting them on high-level teams and see what happens there. So I am going to be picking a play-finishing player that I think next to high-end talent is just going to do nothing but, as he's already done, catapult them to be one of the best offenses in the league. And I'm going to take... Kevin Herter. No, no. Why are you doing this to me, Cody? Yes. Kevin Herter. Just, you know, we talked about him plenty in the past with the Kings podcast. Um, Off-ball assassin. Just moving all over the place. Works really well in their flowing offense. Expanded a little bit in his on-ball role. I don't love the fact that when we see some minutes with, with Fox off the court, that he's not exactly exploding he's not given a lot more responsibilities and if he was he would be much higher on the list but again I think that's uh that's another player that might get picked at some point that is taking away from those on-ball responsibilities I don't know why I yelled no because I wanted to be the one to say his name I was (laughs) it was Herter or Lamello for me with the last pick okay now this now this gets even weirder because now you're forcing me to once I feel like I'm the one Jaron Jackson, LaMelo Ball. I'm the one making all these picks of like these injured players who <laughs> clearly have the capability of being at this level if they were just healthy. So I don't even know how much we have to talk about this. I- I'm, I'm, I'm going to take – because he's not – he hasn't played at this level, but I, I feel like he could very well play at this level in, in a short period of time. Now I'm talking myself out of this. <laughs> Why are you doing this to me? You're punting all these players to me. Yep. Um, oh, man. Maybe maybe based on my own criteria, he's, he's still just one of the best shooters in in the whole thing. I mean, can I take can I take Michael Porter Jr. here? Is oh, that you are gonna take him? I can't. No, let's let's talk it out. I okay. need help. Yeah. I need help. I need help. Michael Porter Jr. Wide open three-point shooting percentage is yeah. 49%. <laughs> he is just one of the best outside shooters uh, you'll ever see. I I, I don't know. Because he's still not moving great, but he's actually been kind of okay. So this is, this is the splitting hairs of like the difference between the 72nd best player in the NBA and the 92nd best player in the NBA. Um... Maybe I shouldn't take him. I I don't know. Wow, you're really waffling about this one. I, I oh, think, all these. I think it's a all better these pick. last few. All these last few picks on my board. What were you gonna say? I I think this is a better pick than you're giving yourself credit. 
Okay. All right. I'm going to take, I don't want to pick any of these players, but I'm going to take Michael Porter Jr. Then. Okay. I mean, you say is his uncontested or wide open threes is 49%. I wouldn't be surprised if his contested threes was like 70%. (laughs) Like, I I swear this dude loves to be contested on threes. Um, But again, not really much of a creator for other players. I think defensively, like, can he rim protect a little bit? Probably not, but it's not negative like some other smaller guards might be. I, I just like big bodied players that are able to do stuff like that. But again, it's like the where does Jokic end and michael porter jr it's yeah no it's i don't like it i don't like it i i think it i i feel like it should come off the board i feel like it should come off the board you really don't like it ben i don't because i just feel like he just still hasn't he's just not moving Mm. well enough i'm i'm not sure um it's it's close it's close how do you can i ask you a question please how do you feel about scotty barnes he, he was my next pick. <laughs> okay, well, that, that's who I was deciding. So I want to take Scotty Barnes then at number 22. Oh, you're going to take him out from under yeah. me? You're going to yeah. ask? Oh, this is... Yeah, yeah. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. You have an extra pick. I got I to gotta get I gotta get something in here somehow. I can't believe this yeah. just happened to me. Now I have to force you to take Michael Porter no, Jr. if you want. You you tell me about Scotty Barnes. Tell me. Well, I mean, I think he's still an excellent defensive player, and... I love I love sort of his connective tissue passing, his extra passing. I um, I think he's in an environment in Toronto where some of the experimentation and decision making that we've talked about at the start of the year has you know a- allowed him to look a little worse than he is as a quality of player. Let's put it that way. And I think there's a heck of a lot of playoff teams at this point where if you had Scotty Barnes, he's not only in your rotation. But he is a guy who can provide value. It, it kind of goes back for me to the Marcus Smart conversation, you know, which I think is settled. I don't get a lot of angry letters anymore about Marcus Smart. But, you know, years ago, just being like, this is a great piece on a playoff team, despite having flaws, despite not being a great shooter. Because when you can pass and defend at that level and you have that sort of versatility, um, and Barnes is like a big version of that right now. Like we're not talking about an on-ball star. We're not talking about a 28-point-per-game scorer. But you're talking about a defender who can also do stuff on offense that helps the superior players around you on offense. Uh, there, aren't, there aren't too many guys I think I would, you know, I, let's put it this way. I considered about five guys here, and I, I think I'll go with Barnes. Let, let me ask you a question, Ben, because I've been having this debate the whole time. Why didn't Barnes go earlier? Well, I think that things I just talked through, like he's just, he, he hasn't, it's tough. You come in in your second season mm-hmm. and you don't take a leap right away. And I think there's a lot of like, well, how good of a shooter is he? Why is his shot selection like this? What kind of decision is that? And then when you are a defensive player, like Evan Mobley, it was the thing I was saying about Mobley earlier that I think probably makes him right now so underrated. Hard to see that defense because we don't have good defensive metrics. So Yeah. I don't know. You tell me. You want to pick him earlier? I probably should have. I should. You mean have. over over Franz Wagner? No, absolutely not. No, Franz Wagner stays stays where he is. Okay, um, now you're up twenty three. Who are you going to take? I mean, you just ruined everything because I thought I was going to get Barnes, but I'm not going to rage quit. I'm going to finish out like a champ. There's one guy. I really want you to pick one guy because I don't want to take him, but I don't want him to not be picked. So we're going to see about that. But I'm I'm picking from the heart at this point. I'm going to pick somebody that is also similarly large, 
somebody that can pass the ball a good amount. He's shown a little bit of defensive chops, but he's he's young. He's not as good defensively as uh, he will be one day. Picking Franz Wagner's teammate, Ben. <laughs> I'm taking Paolo Bancaro. <laughs> for a second, I thought you were going to pick Franz Wagner twice. No. <laughs> just just for effect. Um, yeah, I had him I had him 25th on my board. Okay. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh so he goes he goes 23rd. Paolo Bencaro. Um okay. I think you set this up. I think you set this up just so so I'm punting MPJ out. Oh wow, completely. No, no, because of the health thing. I just I feel yeah. like it just if you if you lose a, a, another half step or you lose a little bit more bite in this quality of player then it drops you behind some of these other final guys. So with my final pick, you've set this up masterfully. You set the table for this. You 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 rigged the board so I would be the one to get the privilege of picking this player. I thank you very much. He thanks you. The state of Kentucky thanks you. Number 24, Jared Vanderbilt. Oh, no. I thought he was going to be 25. I thought he was going to be 25. He was going to be my final, this is how we're ending the draft pick. Who do you think I was going to pick? We'll, we'll talk in a second. Okay, all right. Roll, Please bring wa- us home. wax poetic about Jared Vanderbilt for a second. I don't even think anyone who's listened to this podcast knows the the defensive brilliance and offensive rebounding of Jared Vanderbilt. I just think, again, you are in a situation with this level of player where can this guy get big minutes on a playoff team and what can he add? And Jared Vanderbilt, I think, is a fantastic defender, uh, an elite offensive rebounder, doesn't take much off the tape. Now, offensively, you're going to give some back. That's why, as like a potential all-defensive level uh, player, you're not a new. If you were a neutral and an all defensive level player, you'd be higher on the list. But you know, you give some back offensively, and you kind of fall in this range for me. I think. I think what people would be confused about is that there's quite a few. I don't want to say high level. There's quite a few players that are given primary sort of creation roles, and I think people get angry about that, and they're like, "Oh, but this guy could be an efficient scorer. I've seen him passing. You can't do the same thing with Vanderbilt." But at this level, again, what I was saying before is that you have to think about random teams. And if we're just slotting these players into a random team at this point, I'm going to like a guy that's a high-level defensive player that's probably a negative on offense over somebody that's, you know, a good offensive player, but definitely a negative on defense. And I don't necessarily know how they look next to other high-end offensive talent. Yeah, so your quarterback puts up big fantasy football numbers, but he's the 21st best quarterback in the league. And, you know, other quarterbacks give you more value. But your middle linebacker that can't quite be captured by fantasy football, he gives you a great defense. That's, that's kind of how it works. I'd rather have that middle linebacker guy. I actually debated three defensive players here. Hmm. So you have to put us out of our misery and give us our last name because I, I was going to take a defensive player with this pick at number 24. And I think Vanderbilt is the guy I probably trust the most out of the three I was thinking of. Can I throw a curveball at you right now? You, you're not going to take a defensive player? No, is that I'm, the curveball? I'm going to throw even more of a curveball. At least it's going to curve back to me. You're not going to take an NBA player. This is a boomerang right now. What if we decided together 
on the 25th pick. We have the we have our two even rosters, and now we decide on who should round out the entire class here. Well, yeah, we can't do that unless you tell me what you're thinking. Well, that's the point. It has to be a back and forth. So there's a couple of names. You want me to read some names that are still on the board that I think people would be wondering about? No, I want to know who your, your handful of guys that you were going to take here are, because I've told you I have two two other defensive players that I was going to take. Uh, you already took Vassell. Yep. So I think if I'm looking at offensive players, there's a couple more I could get to, but you know, you, t- you tell me the names in your head. Okay. So the player I didn't want to pick that I thought you would pick here was Cade Cunningham. He was the player. No. Oh, oh, no. oh, that's a hard. No, no. Okay. That's why I didn't no. want to why, pick. Why? Oh, let's just take Jaden Ivy. I mean, why, right. why, what about Jalen green? I like the passing. I like the, the from whom Caden Cade Cunningham. Oh yeah, no, no, no. Me, me too. All, no. all these guys, I, I like, th- I like where they're going to be going forward. I don't have any real issues with them as prospects yet. It's just it's the beginning of your second season, and when you are a high decision making hub and a ball dominant kind of player in the NBA, if you're not good defensively, um you're not a materially like impact defender yet, then it's to what you were saying earlier. It doesn't, I don't care that you average 20 points a game or whatever it is. I want you to be able to translate that value to higher and higher level basketball. And I don't really think any of those guys have yet. So I don't think of them as top 75 players basically, but when some of them jump, which they will, they will very quickly jump in a way that makes them top 60, top 50, top, 35 players. That's usually how it works. Okay. So I'm, yeah. I'm not saying these are guys that I was going to go with, but some of the names that I'm seeing, I see Cade Cunningham, Tyler Hero, Malik Monk, if you believe in this series season, um, and Wendell Carter Mal- Jr. Bold, Malik bold. Monk, he still qualifies? Malik Isn't he Monk? under 25? I don't, I don't remember having him on my, on my radar. Malik, no, Malik Monk is born on February 4th. Oh, Wow. Yeah, so he qualifies by three days. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, keep going. Yeah. So, I don't know, Jalen Green. Uh, did I say Bull Bull? I'll say Bull Bull again. Jaden McDaniels. I, I don't know. Those are some names that I had just sitting there. Jaden McDaniels, uh, Wendell Carter Jr., um, Cade, Hero, and the only other offensive name I'll throw out there is Bones Highland. Mm. Those were the guys I was looking at okay. here. The defensive, do you know who the three defensive players I was thinking of were? Who? Vanderbilt and, and any any guesses at the other two? Not uh, not Wendell Carter Jr. You're, <laughs> we're calling Wendell Carter Jr. a defensive specialist? I, and he's a good defensive player. I think he's interesting. Yeah, he's okay. He, he's okay. okay. He's okay. I mean, Herb Jones is a defensive specialist. No, Herb Jones is a defensive. Can I give you a fun magic stat for a second? Yeah. It's in uh it's in limited playing time, but in in 117 minutes, just that's it, 117 minutes when Bull Bull, Boncaro, Wagner and Carter Jr are on the court to plus 14. They're plus 14. It's just 117 minutes. No, it's not. This is what, it's going to be expanded. There's going to be like 1000 minutes over the course of the next 3 years. It's going to be like plus 20 in a couple of years. Um uh, okay. So Herb Jones was the other guy. Okay. And then there's there's one more, and again, I mean, I don't think people I don't think people like to hear this name. I don't think they like to hear it. I think it's going to get people upset. But the fact of the matter is, when you are a excellent 
defensive player and you shoot 97% on corner threes and you play for the best team in the league for two years in a row, Grant Williams has to be considered yeah. in this range. I've got yeah. his name down here too. Yeah, yeah. So who do you want to pick? I think if if it were me and I was just going to make a pick um, – Oh, I want to throw Keldon Johnson's name in there too. Yeah, Kel- sorry, yeah. I missed. I skipped Keldon Johnson. Sorry, he was also there. there. Keldon Johnson and PJ Washington were the two other guys. Ben Matherin. Uh, oh, Ben Matherin. Wow, a rookie. I know. Yeah, I know. But rookie tax, unless you're Ben Caro, apparently. Yeah. I man, I for for the bit, I was probably going to end with Wendell, so I could have three Magic players. So I don't know. That's that's where I was leaning. What are you thinking, Ben? Uh, no on Wendell for me. Okay. I'd rather have some of the other guys. Yeah. Bull Bull. No, not Bull Bull. We're not doing he's three magic. He's looked good. He's looked good, man. I have zero magic on my board. You have Bull three Bull's magic. Good. It's it's spectacular. Sec- was Sexton uh, on your list at all? No. Okay. No. Okay, I'm gonna read the list and you can think about <laughs> you can think about who we should we should pick. Uh this is what we ended up drafting. Luka Doncic, Jason Tatum, these are top twenty five players under the age of twenty five this season. Luka Doncic Jason Tatum, those two guys are like MVP level dudes. Shea Gildas Alexander, John Morant, Zion Williamson, Darius Garland, Trey Young. That's all in like all NBA ish range for me. Uh, more All Stars: Tyrese Halliburton, Desmond Bain, Jared Allen. Kind of on the low end. Cody went crazy with uh, Tyrese Maxey at eleven. Still, still can't, still can't process that. Uh, but it's not easy. DeAndre Ayton, twelve. I don't know how I feel about that. Evan Mobley, 13. He should probably just be first, let's be honest. Jaron Jackson Jr., Franz Wagner, 15th, starting the Orlando Magic train. Cody, you know the Magic are like 4 and 20, right? In um, my heart, and, they're 20 and 20, 20 and 4, yeah. Anthony Simons, Devin Vassell, Jordan Poole, Anthony Edwards, LaMelo Ball, Kevin Herter. We both like Kevin Herter uh, at 21. Scotty Barnes, Paolo Bancaro, Jared Van- Vanderbilt, 24, and... 25th there's a lot of players to choose from uh who if i if i veto wendell carter jr who else is in your heart uh man Jaden mcdaniels is high in my heart but yeah I want, he's I, good i want the timberwolves yeah. to be better maybe i'd like your mpj pick earlier he's probably right there with me too okay okay let's go with mpj 25 okay i'm happy with that that sounds good yeah michael michael porter jr 25th um Boy, we're not going to hear from any fan bases <laughs> after this one. Uh, if you want to support this show and and check out uh, our new site where we pull a, a ton of this data that we reference throughout, it's patreon.com slash thinking basketball. You can sign up for these in-season leaderboards with our deluxe subscriptions, uh, patreon.com slash thinking basketball. Thanks for listening to this one for, oh my goodness, we've been talking for over an hour um, hopefully this was an exciting, fun exercise because as I've said many times, it's, it's a real challenge to kind of like sort out where young players are as targets are moving and things are changing, especially early in a new season coming off of a full off season. And that's what motivated us to do this podcast. So hopefully it was interesting and helpful. And that of course, as always, wherever you're listening, I hope you're having a great day.